Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. A tired man walks with his head down and his shoulders drooped. And often that's how a man with depression walks. You've got no reason to stand tall because every step you take, it feels like something's beating you down. Matt Wilson is a dairy farmer from Gippsland and he's developed this view from his own experience of battling depression over the years. He's worked hard to put the black dog behind him and now willingly shares his insights with other farmers. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and Matt's family have been working the land for generations. Initially though, he chose not to. However, he believes the experience he's had in another industry has helped him bring a healthier work-life balance when he returned to farming. To find out how, he joins us for this AgVic Talk podcast. Matt, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Matt, you started in the dairy game at a young age. How young? I was eight when I first started milking cows. Uh, we moved out from the, well, sort of suburbs. Keysborough wasn't quite a full-on suburb then. We moved to Lang Lang when I was eight. And uh, I went and milked some of the neighbours' cows and uh, fell in love with it. Not too many eight-year-olds are out milking cows. <laughs> it's a fairly young start. I've got one at the moment here, actually. <laughs> He's not. He doesn't enjoy it like I did. <laughs> yeah, but that that's your son, I would imagine, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. So what was your motivation? Oh, look, the neighbour said he milked cows. I said, can I come and see? And uh, he said, yeah, no worries. And went over and saw it done. And I said, oh, this is amazing. And I, I just kept going back and... I said to my mum, I want to do this when I grow up. And uh, she said, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but you didn't end up doing that? No, no. When I when it came time to decide what I was going to do in year 12, I'd actually did home echo at school and, and really decided that I liked cooking as well. And um, a mate said he was going to be a chef when he left school. And I thought, geez, that wouldn't be a bad job. So I, was, I had the choice of either a chef, a farmer or a musician. I played drums and the electronic organ. And mum did her best to talk me out of being a farmer, which in the end she succeeded. The chef side of things had more of an edge. That was a bit stronger in the want to do that. So I ended up going and doing that. I understand you travelled around the world doing that, but farming pulled you back eventually. What happened? I started my apprenticeship at Phillip Island and then spent a, a fair whack of time on the peninsula. And over there, I met my now wife, who was on a working holiday visa from the UK. Sort of through all that and the development of our relationship, I decided that uh, I wanted to marry her, so I asked her and then thought I'd better go and see what her country was like and w- what life was like over there, and, and then we work out where we were going to live. So I went over there and um, I started cooking over there as well. But eventually you came back to Australia, but you didn't come back to continue on career as a chef though. What changed? Uh, Yeah, I did for a little while. While I was in the UK, I stopped cooking. I got sick of being in the kitchen. We were working six weeks without a day off and in the kitchen environment that is uh, very, very taxing. I gave up the cooking over there and when worked on an organic dairy farm um, on the northeast coast of England. But then got offered a job back in Australia 
running the kitchen up at Mount Hotham of a place called The Last Run Bar. Um, so I came back over and did that for the ski season. And we had a mortgage by then. We'd bought a house in Rill at Phillip Island. And my wife was very, very scared that we were going to not make enough money to pay the mortgage. So she found a job for me as head chef at the Western Port Hotel in San Remo. And I went and applied for the job and got it. So I worked that for another 12 months. Uh, and then I just, I'd had enough. I'd, I'd honestly, I'd had enough for being in the kitchen. I saw Caroline for two days over that summer of her six weeks school holidays. And I said, that's it, I'm done, I'm out. And I got out. Getting out's one thing, Matt, but then getting into something else is an entirely different scenario. And and it was farming that drew you back though. Yes, yeah. I always loved being on the farm and I, or we were looking at the idea of having children and we were trying to have children. And I always said, I would love to bring my children up on a farm because I think after growing up on a farm, I'm not sure there's any better way for a kid to grow up. For what you learn in life skills growing up on a farm, I wanted to give my children that opportunity. So started looking at uh, trying to get a farm and ways we could, and that's when share farming eventually popped up. So, Matt, you were able to get in, but you got in via share farming, and that worked well, I understand, for a number of years, and now you're on a lease property in Gippsland. Working on a farm, very idealistic the way you describe it for your kids, but it comes with its own challenges, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. We've never been in a position that we're financially flushed. Because of the way we got into it, we were behind the eight ball financially from the start. We had to borrow half a million dollars to buy cows, plus more money to buy machinery, and then we got this new thing that we hadn't had before called an overdraft as well. So with all of that, there comes the pressure of trying to make sure you meet all those payments and and trying to manage the money. But then the other side of that is not having enough money to then employ someone to take the pressure off you. We only ever had casual employees that just milked and then when we took holidays, and that was it. So in some regards, you know, you got out of the pressure cooker of the kitchens. It sounds to me like you've took on a whole lot more stress in another area as well. How did that impact on you? It's a funny answer because I didn't seem or feel like I was going to work every day because finally I had my farming dream. For the first probably two years, that's how it felt. But in the background brewing was the finances, the pressure there. My wife was actually paying the bills and doing all that sort of stuff. And then sort of we were getting to a point of getting behind each month a little bit more and a little bit more. And eventually I took the pressure off her paying the bills and I put the pressure on myself, one, to take responsibility for what the farm was doing but two, to take that pressure off her because it was becoming a fairly big one. But obviously I just took the pressure from one spot and put it to another, but always believed that I could handle the pressure of that. And how did you go handling the pressure of it? Most of the time, okay. But what I didn't really know was there was an underlying um, bout of depression that was building up underneath which I then became diagnosed with um, a few years later. 
but as it turns out, that had been going on for a long time, um, right back when I was in the kitchen. It's just that it manifested itself into something much, much bigger by then. Uh, it got to the point of each morning I just hit snooze one more time and another time another time and was finding it increasingly difficult to get out of bed and go and milk the cows and then come back inside and have my breakfast and then literally just falling asleep in my chair. So it's got this tiredness that came over me, but this constant banging in my head, you need to be out doing work, get up, come on, let's go, come on, get out there, you need to be doing this work, you need to be doing it and to the point where I went to the doctors and started to find out um, what was actually going on. It's a good thing that you actually decided to deal with it and go and speak to a doctor. A lot of blokes aren't particularly good at that. What was the strategy you've managed to put in place? They have a series of steps because I went to the doctor for my tiredness, basically. So initially they did blood tests, which all came back clear. There was no problems there. So then they tested me for sleep apnea, which they discovered I had. I started to sleep better, so that masked the depression for a little while longer. And then this tiredness started to kick back in after a few months and we went back to the doctor. My wife had sort of been starting to niggle at me a little bit and say, I think you need to go and have a chat to someone about this. So I went to the doctor and he referred me to a psychologist and through all of that, they worked out that I was suffering from mild depression. Was that a relief to get to that point to actually say this is what's causing these ongoing maladies? It was to start with and then they gave me some medication which they said would take sort of six weeks before it kicked in. After two days, I started to feel much better. So that helped me for a period of time. But at the same time, I'll come from a family that is quite strong-willed, strong-minded family who does a lot for the community. So in that, it comes back to that bit of, uh, I'm stronger than this and this is a weakness I can crack on. So with that, I was sitting there in my mind saying, I don't need tablets to make me feel better. So... I was trying my best to get off those as quickly as I could, and which I did, I got off them within six months. But that wasn't a good thing because it, um, the whole thing just manifested again. So have you found a new path to try and balance things out now then? So I got off the medication for about four or five months and my mother-in-law came over from the UK. Um, we get on really well, but just the whole thing of people being around... The farm owners had actually gone away and I got to a point and I'd lost a few calves in a few days and I had a couple of them lying out the front of the calf shed and I said, Colin, this is not you, this is not how you work. So I started on the medication again and I, I did so for about 12, 18 months. I had medication, but then side effects started to kick in from the medication. My memory loss was becoming quite noticeable little twitches, lots of bits and pieces. Balance was actually affected. So I started doing some research into it and found all these side effects and went, oh, I've got that one, I've got that one, I've got that one, I've got that one. And there was a good half a dozen or more side effects that I was actually feeling from it. 
and through more research found that people would just go back to the doctors and the doctors would either give them a different type of um, antidepressant or um, up their medication on the drug that they're on. And I said, no, that's not for me. There's got to be a better way than this. And have you changed your lifestyle as well in terms of exercise or sleeping activity? Uh, Up until about a month ago, not really, apart from when we moved to this farm. Moving to this farm just changed my perspective of what was going on in my mind because of the share farm I actually was running two businesses as such. So I was running my business and then I was having to make the right decisions for the farm owner's business. And that puts double the pressure on you because you're expected to make the decisions. Even though you sit and you talk about what decisions you're going to make, you're the one that makes the final decision. So for me, that was a lot bigger burden than I ever anticipated it being. So once we moved to this lease farm, I actually stopped myself one day and and said, you're done now, mate. There's no one looking over your shoulder anymore. Stop with this stuff. Be happy. You finally got what you wanted. And, And that changed my mindset. It sounds like a number of steps have led to where you are now, and I imagine you're probably pretty cautious about whether that can go backwards. But you're talking very openly about this, which is fantastic because not a lot of blokes do. Why is it so important for you to... Well, we hear so much about people taking their lives. I must admit that I never, ever, ever have had any of those sorts of thoughts or ever got to that stage and I say to people the depression I suffered was not a life-ending depression what I needed to find out was what the hell was making me so tired because I'm well according my wife says I've got ADHD I can't sit still while we're sitting talking on the phone I'm twitching at my nose and my hands are moving the whole time I can't sit still I've got to do things and I was getting to the point in life and I wasn't doing those things. I had no want to do those things, no motivation. And when you're an active person, that's not how you want to feel. So I openly talk about it because I'm lucky if sharing my story openly and truthfully makes someone else sit up and say, hey, you know what? I'm suffering and feeling those same symptoms. I just thought I was tired because I worked too hard. Actually, there might be more to this. So if that helps someone, one person, five people, ten people, I don't care how many it helps as long as it helps someone. That's a an amazing and honest perspective and really helpful perspective to have because sadly working in rural, regional Australia, the incidences are high in terms of mental health. Very much so. There's something I've really learned over more probably the last couple of years and COVID's probably highlighted it. It's always been there, but it's definitely highlighted. Is watching friends that farm and talking to them about things. We make sure we have a lifestyle. So for me, I came from an industry outside of farming. I wasn't in farming from a teenager and and worked for my dad and took on the family farm or got involved in it and did it as my career from day dot. 
So I bring a different perspective into it. I used to have two days off a week. I understand about having a day off and how that revitalizes your body. But that's not something that a normal, typical born and bred farmer has ever experienced or understands. So I see my friends, my mates, my colleagues working seven days a week with this getting up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and still be working at 7 o'clock at night because the work has to be done. And that's a huge, huge downfall of what this industry is about. It's a very sobering analysis, Matt. For those listening, what are some really simple things you think they can do to help someone who might be in need of support? The hardest part of it is getting someone to actually admit that they need some help. Most people won't ask or look for that help until absolute breaking point. But sitting and listening to people, often there are little signs just with the words they say, with the things they say. You can hear it, you can see it in their body language. I mean, a tired man walks with his head down and his shoulders drooped. And often that's how a man with depression walks. You've got no reason to stand tall because every step you take, it feels like something's beating you down. So if you see your friend, your husband, your brother, your mother walking along like that, put your arm around and ask them if they're, if they're all right. It's a really simple piece of advice, Matt, and it really cuts through. For anyone who feels that they might need some support, have you got any suggestions on how they might take the first step? Well, mine was going to the doctor. Uh, Really, actually, that was the second step. Talking to my wife about it was the first step for me. Funnily enough, she turned around, she looked and she said, we all know you've got depression. My family has watched you over the years and they're all in medical professions and, and in sort of caring type jobs in the UK. So they deal with this sort of stuff. My father-in-law was um, worked at a place for the deaf, blind, autistic children. So had had a lot of experience with this. Whereas my family, when I told my nan, her first reaction was she went, ha, you, depressed, ha. What a joke. So there was two completely different views there. So the first step of it is actually realising that something's not right in yourself and talking to someone you know you can talk to. And that might be going and talking to your doctor. And these days, that's probably a stranger because we don't tend to have the same doctor every time. But if it is, sometimes it's easier to sit there and tell someone else rather than to tell your wife or your, your family that, hey, something's not right here. I understand that you supply milk to Gippsland, Jersey, and that they have a real focus on farmer mental health. Can you tell us a little bit more about what they do? Yeah, well, so we're a supplier of them, but initially when we got on board with them or I got on board with them was actually through the very first calendar that they put out. Sally Jones asked me if I would like to be part of it and that was a good friend of mine (laughs) sort of dropped me in it and said, hey, why don't you talk to Maddie? So I ended up in that first calendar and, and I met some people 
when I was sitting there amongst those people, I sort of thought to myself, gee, I'm here with these people, but wow, their stories just cut me like a knife. But this is one of the things that Gippsland Jersey is getting behind, is trying to get better welfare for farmers so we get paid a better price. Um, I've got friends that are milking nearly 2,000 cows and my per litre milk price is better than theirs. Traditionally, to get a better milk price, you had to milk more cows. So that's their first step in making us feel like we're getting paid for what we're doing. Secondly, is putting a lot of time, money and energy into supporting farmers. And that can be as simple as them putting a barbecue on or putting this information out that they're putting through a calendar, which in turn raises money to help people do this stuff. And through the journey, I've met a lot of people that are actually involved in trying to help farmers get help for themselves when they're not feeling right. Matt, you've been very frank with sharing your experience. Is there one overall insight that you'd like to leave listeners with? Can I just say one thing in closing, and this is to all the farmers out there, and it doesn't matter if they're a dairy farmer or not. You know, you're not too hard to sit down and talk to someone about the way you feel. Sit down and have that conversation. Go and have a chat to someone and say, hey, I just don't feel quite right. Is there anything I can do to make myself feel better? Or could you help me to take the steps to feel better? I met a farmer at Farmworld who has been through some pretty tough times in East Gippsland. We were stood talking to a, a gentleman. I can't think of the company he works for or anything, but it was they're trying to help farmers with mental health. And this farmer turned around and he said to the fella, look, no offence, but you walk in there with your background in that suit, those farmers down there aren't going to give you 30 seconds of their time, let alone sit there and listen to what you have to say. And to me, that just shows this maybe solidarity in the mindset of farmers, but also that closed door we don't talk about this type stuff that there is still going on in, in the further out communities, maybe not so much where we farm closer to the city, but certainly these places that are a long away from the city with the real traditional father to son farming scenarios, that attitude really lies through. And, and, and they're the people that we need to try and help get through this and, and for them to be opened up and, and really realise there's another way. Matt Wilson, you're doing a remarkable job of reaching out to other farmers and showing them there is another way. Thank you so much for your time and candidness with sharing your story for this AgVic Talk podcast. No worries at all. Thank you. If this podcast has brought up any difficult emotions for you, please reach out to someone you can talk to. You can also contact the Beyond Blue Support Service on 1300 224636 or at beyondblue.org.au, Mensline Australia on 1300 or at mensline.org.au or Lifeline on 131114 or at lifeline.org.au. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. 
For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.